I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And it's been almost four weeks from memory, but here we are. What's going on, Boxhead? Not much, man. Not much at all. Well, the pool stage of the World Cup is over. Heading into the quarterfinals and in terms of teams that got through... Uh, no surprises from memory. I think we picked everything exactly as it would play out. I think the only thing we had different was I thought Samoa would finish top of the pool instead of England. You thought England would finish top of the pool. Uh, but other than that, we picked all eight qualifying teams. So yeah, yeah. Uh, what we'll do... So we should too. Have a quick run through. Obviously, not a lot needs to be said for a couple of the teams that were in some of the pool stages. Um, said a lot the last few days. There was one on our group page as well, people were talking about. World Cup and what you could do to make a difference, etc. Um, I just just think it is what it is. It's a bit like the Rugby World Cup. Russia and other teams, Japan for a while was in and, you know, cop some big scores. That's sort of what happens. Um, people saying more from certain nations or certain areas, you know, like realistically there's a qualifying period over the couple of years. Plenty of teams go through the process. It is what it is. Yeah. If but, you want to have a World Cup, then... That's sort this of, is know. where we're at at the moment in the development of our game. And the other thing as well, a lot of the talk heading into it, again, especially from Australian journalists in particular, about these players not playing for Australia, etc. They're not exactly struggling, are they? Australia, aren't they? Leading to the point again that if you would have cut off a lot of that talent from going to a play for a couple of the other countries, well then you're not really feeding into the concept of the World Cup in the first place. You would have had bigger holes in these school lines. So, yeah, I uh, certainly did, don't agree with that narrative and it's played out that way, but... Um, We'll run through it. Group A, England qualified first. Samoa qualified second. Greece and France were eliminated. Um, the big game of that pool was obviously the first week clash, which turned out to be an absolute Barry Crocker. It was a fizzer. Samoa rolled up and got belted by 60. Yep. Cop 24 points, in particular in the last 10 minutes in a sin bin. And you kind of sat there and thought, well, have they gone over there to take this seriously? Or England just red hot? Is it a combination of a bunch of things? And I, then, I, yeah, I'd heard some things out of the... Yeah, I got some yeah, things that, that just said that Samoa weren't really going to be starting the tournament off nah. as quickly as what they put, they definitely should. Let's just say that the first week was more about the experience than it was the football, yeah. unfortunately, and yeah. that was their most important game yeah. to make sure they got the better side of the draw, if possible, um, but they certainly blew that. They're mm. two games following that. Um, score lines again hard to compare but what England did what they did is right on track with what I would have expected Yeah, a closer result between the two but the first week was the big one England just rolled through them it was way too easy they had zero line speed they made errors coming out of their own end uh, they just batted them to death and off they, the, yeah they off, gave themselves no chance yeah off the back of just pouring through the middle like the tries they scored were very simple because they were just getting rolled through they just Shifted to the edges and found space quite easy. Like there, there wasn't a lot of science in what England did game one. They just blew them yeah. off the park. So that was very disappointing because that was one that I looked at and thought this is going to be a good game of football. But I think the challenge now is Samoa have put them in themselves in a position to move through, but again have now ended up on the harder side of the draw. So now they're going to have to play Tonga 
instead of ending up on the flip side, which would have been Papua and New Guinea, which is no easy feat, mind you. No. But it would have been much, much more feasible for them to get to the semi and or a final being on the other side of the draw. Um, so for them, I guess your questions are still the same, or they're still the same for me as the spine. I know, I know they're settled on Luai. Obviously found their better football in the two easier games. Played that power game, second phase, were good out of yardage. Getting Taylor back in certainly made a difference, but that's the other thing, I guess, for them is health. They lost three players in the first game, then they just lost Alia and Tago hasn't been playing either. So they've gone over there with a squad of 24. They lost five and they called in a couple of guys that are English-based just to fill some holes in their squad. Mm. So I still think they've got a good enough 17 to give it a shake. The question is, can they do it from the harder side of the draw? Yeah, That's the real yeah, question. And then who's I, your I half? Mind. I think it's good that Samara are going to play Tonga in a World Cup game. It'll be good. Yeah. Oh, I would have honestly preferred still again that they avoid that, when, you, when you're Samoa, there's no easy side of the draw because they're realistically... <laughs> They, if they get beat here, we'll go, oh, well, that's probably an underachievement because they didn't make a semi. Yeah. Well, Sualee, well, definitely you won. Uh, Luai, we know, is the six. Nine, they've gone with Levi, majority of the tournament. News only had one game off the bench, sort of. Uh, they're pretty much stuck with that. And they've had Harris to the last few games as sort of the bench utility. I think that's the, the question for me. I prefer Harris to over Milford at this point because in bigger games, I want someone who's a better defender, someone who's more likely to take the responsibility to steer the team and let Luai, you know, play his natural game, which is pretty much they set up on those long side shifts, play to the left and let him be free. When it's Milford and Luai in particular that first game, there was no control whatsoever. It was very erratic. Their set-ins were poor. Um, and again, bigger games, I just prefer someone who defends well. I think Harris David is a good defender. Yeah, that's fair. So I think they're a little more settled. Uh, in that regard, and then I guess your question is, yeah, I don't know if they get a Tago back, but yeah, they've lost you early, Alloway, those sort of guys. Forward pack was pretty good. They'll have a loaded bench, and um, getting like Taylor back in, like I said last week, along with Toto. Sorry, I was like banging the table. Um, you know, that, that looked more like the Samoa we thought we were going to see. But England, on the other hand, uh, cruised through. Probably the only game they would be disappointed with was the French game. They started well, got into half time. 18-12, um, they blew them out in the back end. They obliterated Greece, which is no surprise, and obviously did a number on Samoa. But, um, yeah, as we sort of preview there, like the, the forward pack, the NRL guys, if they fired well and what they were doing yardage again, Herbie, Dom Young, all had very good tournaments. Radley's fitted in well. Good addition to the way they like to play and yeah, having an extra... They haven't really played a difficult game, though. No. Well, again, like so. I said, Samoa would have been the only one, and they... Obviously. We're waiting to see him play Australia and England. Power enough. So, uh, I think Papua will at least give him a decent physical challenge. I don't know whether they've got the the game over eighty minutes or the quality, but I doubt it. If you PNG, you go in there, complete high play physical, and just try and tee off on him. I guess, but yeah, I think for England, I'm more impressed than what I expected. But again, I think a lot of that's been heavy NRL influence. I think the guys that they had in their forward pack, the way Radley's linked in with the halves and played, and then particularly like I said, Herbie. <laughs> And Dom Young, they've done a good job. But English-based players like McGeekin, to not be their last World Cup, I think he's done a good job. Um, Williams has certainly taken advantage of the platform they've laid in the pool games and ran things pretty well. They've rolled through different guys in different positions. I don't quite know who they'll settle on. Callum Watkins missed a game. They had Hall in for a couple of games. They've sort of rotated through um, their back line. But I, I guess for them, your big question, like you said, is now. Um, they, they should get over the top of Papua New Guinea, but... If they have to play Samoa again or play Tonga, 
that's uh, a bit more of a challenge heading into the final against Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. So you'd, you'd think their test wouldn't really come there. Uh, wrapping up on those other two teams, thought the French at least looked well coached and better put together, but yeah, it's just that difference of getting quality in class, having that top end. Yeah. Thought their halves weren't bad. Like, Gig. oh, they acquitted themselves well. Yeah, Guijo, we know about. I thought Mork or Morgay, the, the six was good, and Garcia, the 13, etc. But um, another one of those things that we say more French based players, more guys playing in the Super League, they'll be better in the long run if they stay on this path. Mm. Um, and the Greece side, well, no surprise when you're rolling there with only two or three NRL players and a lot of guys that are playing Massey, Cup, or you know, different levels altogether. It's always going to be a tall task, and it, it certainly was that. Yeah. You saw minimal moments where Magulius put in one of his famous chip kicks or Ilias backed up on one and set one up, and Mamazoulos popped out a few times, but probably the one that caught my eye a little bit was uh, Satani Takomo. He's a young Sharks fullback. He's 18. He's gone over there, had to juggle his HSC and, and playing, and, you know, it's they're, they're the sort of guys you, you, you find in these sort of tournaments get an opportunity. I, I thought he had some moments, but obviously the last two games, um, yeah, weren't very enjoyable. Copping yeah. 70 and 90 points. So. Well, yeah, that's to be expected, though. Mm. That wraps up, like we said, Group A side of things. England and Samoa coming through. Pool B, again, Australia come through first, undefeated. Fiji second. Then you've got Italy and Scotland, their game against each other. Scotland actually had the better of the opportunities, the possession and the field position. Couldn't come up with any points and... Italy off the back of a, a bit of a connection they had through their spine and a couple of players there. They're at the Sunshine Coast Falcons and Pacelli, Mason, Atkinson linked in pretty well um, with Jack Campagnolo, who's been at South this year and played some time up there. Sort of picked them apart in that game. Um, well, well, can't say I was surprised by the way they're scoring it up, but then from there on in, obviously, they... Met. Scott, Scotland were horrible. Scotland were, yeah, but Italy then copped the rough end of the stick as to be expected after that. Fiji, after a rough game against Australia, obliterated them. Then Australia, the other day, you know, rotating players and chopping and changing, still put 60 in. But Scotland, yeah, they're a real disappointment. A lot of guys, again, Super League based. Look, James Bell was probably the standout, an ex-warrior. Um, but other than that, for them, very disappointing. They were awful. Um, yeah. Italy, like I said, a couple of those names from the Falcons. Daniel Atkinson. Spent a little bit of time at Melbourne uh, pre the tournament. There was talk, there was a few clubs looking to bring him back in an NRL fold. So for him, I think he uh, didn't do himself any harm at trying to slide in. I heard that the Sharks and Newcastle were sort of looking, but there were some guys there that played cup level that had some moments. But again, when you don't have that top end, it's always going to be hard when you have to play those better yeah, sides. Yeah, it's an achievement for them to win a game. Yeah, Nathan Brown acquitted himself well as captain. There's talk that he'll be heading back to the Tigers um, and trying to settle that once he gets home. So he certainly did his job over there but for Australia I guess our questions are the same before we went over there did we pick the right squad will he pick the right squad moving forward and um, I like the halves debate um, we were pretty clear on this before things even kicked off it's a no-brainer for me that it's clearly Munster and I'd have Hunt and Grant he's talked even that Cherry Evans might get that bench spot if you're going to carry one of Hunt or Cherry Evans it's Hunt you would think so he's more equipped to play nine, he's more equipped to slot into a third-hand role, and as a half, he's, you know, kicking game overall. He's good. All those other areas are good enough or comparable to what DC brings to your team. Yeah. And on top of that, I want to start Hunt still and bring Harry on for sixty or so minutes. So regardless of that, I would prefer to have Hunt there. So I don't know how he, he picks Cherry Evans. I really don't. The other question I guess we have left over is his 
outside backs and his edges. He's rolled through some different guys. I think surely he sticks with Yo at lock, but then the whole idea again of Murray being forced into a back row spot instead of a Martin or a Crichton or an Eno. Like you got three genuine back rows. Mm. Pick a genuine back row. I'll put Murray in there on your bench for a bit of leg speed. Buy into what you've gone over there with. We haven't gone over there with a huge forward pack. We've gone over there with a lot of mobility, skill, footwork, and the ability to produce quick play the balls. Playing to that strength for me is Kevin Murray's best asset, which is quick play the ball. Mm. I just have him coming off the bench as part of your middle rotation. Um, but yeah, more than likely he'll pick Jake. Yeah, Regan or someone like that might miss out. And, you know, like a guy like Collins, he's talking about playing New Zealand if we get to that point with a four forwards on the bench, possibly as well. So there's, there's a lot of things there that worry me if we do get to that point, which obviously you would expect we're going to beat Lebanon in the quarter form. You would think so. Um, and then, yeah, so. your outside back combinations. He's rolled through some guys. I, I definitely think he'd more than likely go with Luttrell and Fox and then probably the Cowboys combo of Holmes and... Tortlagi. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I guess your big question is, like I said, the makeup of our middles, our forward pack, our edges, or Mal Meninga worries me sometimes. He really does. You and me both. Um, and when you get to a team like New Zealand, if you stuff around with the forward side of thing or don't pick to your strengths or try and do something to combat it, I think, yeah, that's that's a real, real big question mark for me. So, other than that, they've just absolutely strolled through the pools. Fiji, um, I thought Fiji in the end ended up doing pretty well considering the players that didn't end up going for him in the forward pack. Yeah, they sort did. They did wrong. Patched it up then. Kikiao did a good job. Young Wong, see see a Wong from uh, the Roosters. Tanyella Sadruga, I haven't really seen or heard much. He's a sevens player at the Cowboys. Did a season this year. He's a winger. They've been playing him as a thirteen. Did a good job, but they they got a similar question. They've rolled through Arpi at half. They gave Penny. Some time at nine, played him off the bench. Ra really, uh, Ra Louie played in the halves. Wakeham's played in the halves. Like they, they've sort of got to make a decision this week because they're playing New Zealand, which is you know, unfortunate for them. I think it's going to be the end of their tournament. But they, they probably need to be pretty certain this week about what they're going to pick in terms of halves. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. And then can they match them in the Ford cattle? No, no, they can't. And that was the big hole with the players that they missed out on with the Safidis, Tarek Sims, etc., and a few guys going over there. But, um, yeah, like we said, after that disappointing first-up loss, they found their way through. So Australia, Fiji through. Group C, um, your big game was obviously Lebanon, New Zealand, and Lebanon actually acquitted themselves quite well as well. Did kind of what you'd expect you'd want to do against a team that you're up against the wall and try and throw them off their game. Short kickoffs, short dropouts, Early kicks, trying to play a bit of different football, but realistic at the end of the day, any time they pulled themselves back within range, you just saw the quality do the job when it needed to, and particularly Joey Manu in that first game. And from, even from there, I've said it the other day, I, I find it hard to get a gauge on New Zealand because, again, they've sort of cruised to the pool. Mm. Hughes didn't play two of the games. Moses didn't play. Murata, Dallin missed a game. Like they realistically rolled out Hughes to get a runner under his belt the other night, and he was very dominant, again, against lesser opposition. But I find it hard to get a real gauge. Like we'll get a better gauge this week because we're obviously going to play well. But coming into them, Australia, I think it's what happens on the day. And for them, I guess they've had more question marks over players' health, mm. which is their probably biggest issue. If they get to the semi and Hughes is under a cloud, Murata's not available, Moses under a cloud, Jared just got back from suspension, got suspended again, um, That that's probably their biggest enemy. Can get suspended. Health and discipline. Yeah, he went there to write off his three-game suspension, got on for 10 minutes and got sent off and got suspended again. So, 
That's Jared Van Jaren. But their forward pack certainly uh, can definitely do a job on Australia. And if Hughes is in his best form with Brown and Manu, etc., they've got the job there. But yeah, I guess for them, when you've got those question marks on health, that's the biggest thing. They have to get there and be able to pick their best 17. Yeah, of course. Um, Lebanon, for me, were one of the teams I actually quite enjoyed watching. I think Michael Cech has done a good job, considering he's not from that side of things. And they got the best out of their, their lesser lights. A couple of guys from Massey, a couple of guys playing cup, playing some good footy. And it, it does help, obviously, when you've got a quality spine. Moses, Dewey, um, done a really, really good job. Young, coloured Rajid, who he had for a couple of games there at Mounties, who, who got included. They reshuffled their spine. He played some good footy as well. Um, so they've they've got some good young quality, but it was probably more the forwards. There's a lot of guys there. Even another bloke we had Khalil, who played mostly right mass this year, had a couple of really good games, produced some second phase. And you know uh, Eli Elzakem, the Parramatta back rowers and their cup squad. That had some guys there that really did a job. So good job by them to push their way through. But similar deal again in their pool. Jamaica, you know they were there. Good enough for qualifying, but with a complete and utter lack again of that sort of star power, they were just getting whipped every single game. Yeah. But they're the moments you hold on to. Like you saw how happy they were or the celebrations when they scored points or got their first tries, guys playing for their country and you know, that historical moment of posting points in a World Cup. Mm. It's something you have to build on, obviously. So for them, again, with the base you've got with some guys playing the Super League, guys exposed this time to a World Cup environment, you'd hope to think in four years' time they qualify again or they get a bit better. Yeah, that's all you can do. Develop and hmm. keep building. Um, obviously, and what you've done. And the other one there was Ireland. Ireland really looked pretty sharp. Game one with Myler and Kiri and a couple of the Super League guys. And Lebanon was the big game for them, but uh, Lebanon too good. So that obviously knocked them out of contention. But uh, yeah, early on, a bit of a surprise. Like I thought, there's a few quality names there, but they did look pretty sharp. But when push came to shove. Yeah. Teams, again, with the more NRL and Super League experience go through. And moving on to that last group, uh, Group D, probably the one with the most competitive games. And, again, it was hard to watch some of those blowouts. I just rolled through the minis. But the pool here with Tonga, Papua New Guinea, the Cook Islands and Wales, the first three weeks in particular, some really good games. Was well, yeah, it was a good pool. Tonga, Papua New Guinea come down to a last-minute play where... They got bailed out of jail, some offloads, a bit of lack of control that they kicked through for well, they, got, they got lucky. Yeah, Kalamatungi. The Cook Islanders the second week were up to it, uh, right up into it until they got a sin bin late in the game against PNG. And then, unfortunately, the last week is obviously when everything really blew out. Tonga, who, again, were a bit scrappy the first two games, certainly kicked into gear and put 90, yeah. which I was not expecting that result. Um, and then you had the Wales side, who, again, when you've got that lack of quality and you're up against it really competitive, but Papua New Guinea the last game blew them out pretty easy. And, um, yeah, looking at them, similar deal. You could see the class of a guy like Josh Ralph who's obviously been in NRL systems, um, but obviously not getting a whole lot of help there. Young Bailey Antrobus, who's contracted the Dragons, saw him do some good stuff, had a couple of carries, but, yeah, overall rough time for them. Cook Island is no surprise. Iro and a couple of those guys that we spoke about uh, that are on the up. Anthony Kelly. Um, every time I've seen him play, whether in England or short time here, he's a good footballer. Yeah. He played some good games, but overall for them, um, again, bridge too far. But PNG I was impressed with. Um, just very solid. 
they've got a couple of outside backs again. I think it's Jimmy Nucklick, and you've got uh, Roderick Ty, just that same mould as like your O-Lums, just guys that do not care about their bodies when they come out of yardage. Yeah, they're tough. So just carry the football. Uncompromising. But I think a guy, I didn't mind him when he was the Cowboys. There's nothing flashy about him, but when you look at some of the backup halves in the NRL, the fact that Kyle Labert is probably not somewhere in a squad to me sort of surprises me. He's not old. He's a big body. He kicks well. He defends it. Like he does a lot of things that you could easily rely on someone to be a backup half or play four or five games a year for you. Yeah. Um, and him and Lamb obviously went over, won through the championship stages. Those two, I thought, did a good job together. And Pape, the nine, who won the championship player of the year, showed some quality. Um, and, and their forward pack again with a couple of those cup guys like Putt and Reese Martin coming back over from Super League. Um, they certainly did their job. Again, I don't think they've got the quality of an England, but if they complete high and play that physical power game and just try to tee off on them, I think they could certainly at least send them through with a few bruises, that's for sure. Yeah, ruffle them up a bit. But Tonga, uh, they're the big one we've got to talk about, and it's the same thing again for me. They rolled through different centre combinations, different back row, front row combinations, how they pick their bench. That Someone's going to miss out who's a good fo- football in their forwards. Yeah. But the two biggest questions, again, spine... And in particular, fullback and hooker. Like Kaloa Matungi was playing hooker in one of the games and then started. And like that's that's not going to fly in the next part of the tournament. No way. Havili, I don't know quite if it was health or he just wasn't in the squad. But between him and Sony, I think they need to have the, the hooker rotation and then fullback. Do you go with Tessinu or do you go with Kula? Um, I'd go with, yeah, Kula. And Harves, he seemed to have been set on Lola here, who's played the whole way through, but he's given Katoa... A couple of games and uh, Amone played off the bench and started. Like for me again, Lola here doesn't set the world on fire. If if I'm going in, I'm just putting my faith in the kids. I actually really like Katoa from what I've seen, mm. um, but I'd be playing him and Amone. Yeah, agree. And just agree. yeah, that's what you're there for. No offense to Tui Lola here, he's a solid footballer, but there's a reason he's ended up. Well, Katoa is much better than Lola here. Mm. And that's my point. I think you, you, your most genuine seven is... Even right now. Like, if it experiences your argument, that's rubbish. Yeah, well, it's, there's no point. Otherwise, you wouldn't, shouldn't have taken him. But yeah. your most genuine number seven is the kid. And, you know, Penrith were filthy about losing him for a reason, even though they've got Nathan. Dolphins went after him for a reason. And in the cup games, the 20s games, and even these few games that he's had here, it's, he, he doesn't play like an 18-year-old. No. He certainly doesn't play like an 18-year-old. So, um, yeah, I'll be more interested to see how they come up with their forwards and... Fullback, and then again, looking at their back row the other day, like between even guys like Felice and the, the middles they've got, and Olakalado, Talakai not playing in their centers. Like, there's, there's a few guys, three or four in particular, that'll be pretty hard done by because they're so stacked in that department. So, mm. um, Tumble, I'll obviously come back in as well. He had a big game, but on the back of that, that leads us to our quarters. And as I said, we picked these as is, except just where we had England and Samoa. So, England playing Papua New Guinea. Uh, thoughts there, obviously, England to win that one. Yeah, of course. The only question mark they've got is Victor Radley had an elbow issue last week. Talk was could be tournament ending or could be as little as a week. Nothing's really been announced yet. There's no lineups available quite yet. He's been very important. Um, you know, Williams is more of a runner. Their other sort of half they've rolled through, snowed and um, they obviously had Wellesby play there and he's played fullback. So wherever they sort of go, I think for them naturally, being mostly ball runners, it helps to have a guy like Radley there. Yeah. So taking him out would hurt. And then even in their back rows, we know Whitehead, ball skills, Bateman ball skills, they've got sort of naturally 
guys all across the park that can chip in with the way they play off the back of their forward pack, which has been really, really good. Mm. So taking him out would be a bit of a loss. But, yeah, I think with PNG, if you're them, it's simple. Um, again, yourself, don't give him possession. Don't give him cheap ball. Wear him down. In particular, if you can work your way through that sort of starting pack and get at their halves and just complete high, you'll get your rewards. But Papi on the same time, if I think if they're physical and stay in the game, in particular those names you said before, Ty, Nutlick, and you've got Olam, etc., doing their job and the halves defend well and kick well and just put some bruises on them. If, if England give them opportunities, certainly uh, could be an interesting game. But I think England will be winning their way through there. The flip side of that draw, because it's pool A and pool D, Tonga and Samoa, absolute blockbuster. I was more hoping if we we're going to see this, it was in a semi, but in a quarterfinal, you just have to get it right. And big thing again, I think, selections. Who do Samoa go with in the halves? Does he start with Milford and take that risk? Because in a game like this, I'd want the better defensive player, which is Harris DeVita. Yeah, I think you're splitting hairs with that one. And then the flip, Christian Wolf. what's he do with his spine? You know, he's fullback, he's nines, who's his half, etc. Like, you need to get that right this week. Yeah. I think forward packs, definitely going to be comparable. Um, you know, good benches. There's probably more, a little bit more depth in Tonga, especially after injuries to Samoa. Back fives, both powerful, plenty of metres, plenty of yards. So, you're splitting hairs, but to me, it comes down to spines. Um, and obviously, who defends better? Yeah, but that one's a very, very good matchup. Very, very close. You're going to stick with your original pick of Tonga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm probably leaning that way now. I'd, I'd like to say Samoa, but um, yeah, I've, I've got a more of an inkling about about Tonga now. The way things have panned out, but I'll be yeah. No, with no lineups, I'm interested to see who they select on the flip side of that. Going to the other side, pulls B and C. Australia first qualified against the C group. Second is Lebanon. It's Australia all day. Um, again, who he picks is probably more what we're looking for. Regan Campbell-Gillard's under a bit of a cloud after getting a cork. The spine, his edges, etc. Who's playing center wing combinations and then just your middles and where he's going. I think from here on out, you're picking the team in my head that you'd be playing in if you're playing in the final. You just pick your best team every And week. that's what I'm hoping yeah. is the case. So, again, if Regan Campbell-Gillard's available to me, I'm having him... Tino, and then I'm loading my bench up with mobility. I'd be having Carrigan, Murray, start with Hunt, have Harry come in there. You've got cover naturally then for halves and multiple spots. I guess the option there is who's your third forward. Like he's not dropping Jake, so he's definitely going to have him in there. Mm. So it's more likely that Regan or Tino will be off the bench for him to start at prop. Uh, but this is where my argument was at the start of the time, that taking somebody like a, a Campbell Graham when you've already got so many guys that cover center wing fullback would have been better off picking an extra forward. And I would have rather have a Lodge or a Madison or someone like that go over there to have here to play into that mobility, power, footwork, ball-playing game. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think not this week, but against New Zealand, could come back to bite us. But then again, if your halves are quality and you get the 50-50s, you, you probably emerge. So, But against Lebanon, yeah, I think they've had a great tournament. But it's probably going to be too much of an ask for, like you said, some of their fringe players, you, you know, your miskies, your mansors have really done a good job leading and those couple of forwards like we said have played up above where they are along with Rajid jumping in with Moses and those young halves but Australia too big a gap and then on the flip side New Zealand up against Fiji and it's the, the same point again I guess for New Zealand it's just health if Hughes is good to go, Moses, Murata etc or even not they're still you know stacked to the gills in terms of their forward pack 
yeah. Fiji will give a good account of themselves. But again, the hole coming in was their forwards. And much like happened against Australia, they're, they're not going to beat New Zealand in the middle. You wouldn't think so. So, um, can't see an upset in this one for them, unfortunately. No. So that would lead us back to where we started originally. Um, except England will play Tonga in this scenario. And then you'd have Australia-New Zealand. So, I think if either of those teams get through again, or if, say, if, let's hypothetical, Samoa gets through and they're playing their best football, can they beat England? Samoa-England? Yeah, if they were to win back through and have a rematch in the semi-final, because they're they, now... They'll... Could they play Could they play each other in the Well, you're within your pool. So, A and D, you can, they can play against them again. That doesn't make any sense. That's stupid. Well, the pools play each other. So that's why Australia, New Zealand, uh, you know... Be, yeah, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to play the member of your pool until the grand final. Well, I'm pretty sure because, again, the pool... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's crisscross, that's how it works. So if you're second in your pool and you get back to the semifinal... Well, yeah, I think Samoa could beat them. Mm. But I, I would be tipping England, just like I did in the first game. Yeah, so pretty sure that's how it works, unless I'm crazy, but I think... Well, that yeah, just seems stupid. They link the pools together, so A and D play each other, B and C, so if they win back through and England win back through, they'll play again in the semi-final. Okay, yeah. And it would be vice versa if Fiji somehow upset New Zealand, they'd be then playing Australia, because otherwise, yeah, you play the guy who was second in your pool again. Oh. So, yeah. But you think Tom would have a better chance, obviously, if they played England? Obviously, you've tipped them to go through. Tom would have a better chance against England. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're thinking, obviously. I just think England will roll through that side of the draw. Mm. So, more than likely, they get themselves a home final in a World Cup. Yeah. Which would be great for them. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, we said it before. Do you, do you see a whole lot of difference? Like, I see both sides of it. I'm like, well, I think we're better one to seven. In particular, probably our back five. But I think the forward pack and the bench rotation, if we don't get it right, they've certainly got an advantage there. And I don't think the gap is as big as what it used to be. Brown and Hughes, Hughes made a huge difference the other night. Like He's not clearing, but he's a very good halfback. Yeah. Manu, I think, again, has shown more New than Zealand could quality. beat Australia, definitely. I think nine, they've got an upper hand. Uh, we've got an upper hand, sorry. I like Brandon Smith, but obviously like Harry Moore and Hunt, like we have two nines. But I think the, the whole one to seven... To back five, that game to me, if they complete well and do well in the middle, comes down to a can we score when we get opportunities, get out of yardage, kick well, and just sort of work our way through a game. Because mm. I think, yeah, if it's a high completion middle type of game, I think they've definitely got an upper hand. It's just whether they can you know, control field position and, and their sets well. Because yeah. they've been messy through the pools. But, yeah, that's the state of play for the World Cup. Sure is. Mm. Overall thoughts, do you think Australia-England or New Zealand? I think, yeah, Australia-England or New Zealand-England. That, that's 
That's what my cut's telling me. I think the semi-finals will be excellent. They'll both be very evenly matched. I think Australia and New Zealand are clearly the best two teams. Mm. They're going to play each other in the semi, it looks like. It's still so, the deal. Like, to be honest, this week, I'd... Tonga Samoa is going to be the closest game. And if Papua New Guinea give a good account, yeah, that's I what think it looks like. the English game could be a good game. But yeah, Australia, Lebanon, New Zealand, Fiji, those two might meet some resistance early. But overall, I think they should both win comfortably. Yeah, they should. Um, but the odds with this one with bluebet.com.au, if you're going to have a bet with anyone, make sure you do it with the true blue bookie. Uh, Australia, a dollar. Literally a dollar. So you're getting zilch there. Lebanon are $51, minus 42 and a half is the line there. 1 to 12 Australia, $13.67 for Lebanon. 13 plus $1.03 for Australia, 301 for Lebanon. England are $1.06 against Papua New Guinea. They are $9, minus 22 and a half the line there. Uh, 1 to 12, 425 for England, $12 for PNG. 13 plus England, $1.30, $41. PNG, New Zealand are a dollar or two. Fiji, thirteen dollars minus twenty nine and a half is the line there. Uh, one to twelve, seven dollars for New Zealand, sixteen dollars Fiji, thirteen plus New Zealand, dollar ten, a hundred to one Fiji. And as to be expected, the bookies at Bluebet have Tonga and Samoa as the closest game. Tonga are a dollar fifty two favourites. Samoa, two dollar fifty two outsiders minus four and a half is the line there. So your one to twelves a bit closer, two ninety. Tonga three fifty five Samoa thirteen plus Tonga three dollars six twenty for Samoa. Probably uh, neither side has been as good as what I thought they would be. No, nah, definitely not. And again, just I thought Tonga would have worked out their spine a bit earlier and not rotated as much. I think Samoa were more solid on the team they'd picked, but they had injuries early on, so they basically had to pick what they had there, and they got Lafai and Liggy Sow in as guys that are already living in England and can see how to fill those holes. Yeah. But, yeah, whether they get Tago back, um, whether they go with one nine or two nines and which one of the halves they pick, I don't know. But the overall futures now, Australia, still the favourites at $1.40. New Zealand have pushed back out to $6. England have come into $7 overall. And then your other two chances, you'd think, are probably Tonga or Samoa. They're further out now. Tonga, $13. Samoa, $21. And then the teams outside of that, PNG, 126 201 for Fiji and Lebanon $501 to win mm. so there you go it's uh, it's a bit of a quick wrap up again I I wanted to be excited for the pool games but once the blowout started and they got worse and worse it got me to this point now that you're talking about I'm hoping we get at least a couple of close games this weekend but I definitely think the semi-finals will be quarters definitely so, yeah definitely really looking forward to them it has been nice to have some footy though even though I haven't watched it probably as close as what I usually would mm. It's still been something, so no complaints for me on that front. Uh, and just while we're here as well, some other things that have been going on. Um, obviously, a lot's happened, in particular the manly side of things since the last time we've left. Des Hasler, I think it was only the next day maybe, or two after. I think it was the next day. He got yeah. sacked. Yeah. So that situation obviously played out. Um, a, a bit more to happen there in terms of legal payouts and what happens there. Um, they've moved on five or six more staff. Since then, it hasn't still been announced formally, but Anthony Seabold will be the coach of Manly. Yep. Um, in terms of assistance, I think internally they've looked at Stephen Hales. I don't know who the other assistant's going to be. Flanagan's obviously the one they've prioritised. In particular, they want to get him in with the, the clause that 
he can obviously go if he gets another head coaching job. And I think in more particularly for the start of the year because Anthony's not going to be there yeah. for the first two to three weeks until his duties are finished with England. They want to get an experienced guy in there. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, and then since then, I guess your other side of things is they've made a couple of signings, trying to fill in some gaps. We knew their tight was capped, hence what we said last year. Tapau's big deal expired. Foreign basically got pushed out. Schuster, who didn't go to the World Cup to prep and try and get fitted to play number six. So within the constraints that they've had, uh, Ben Condon from the Cowboys is a good young player. They've got him on a three-year deal. Austin Dias come from the Tigers, uh, guy that got to run late in the year. I think that's more, again, cap and, and situation. They've signed him front row. And now the talk with one of their last spots, they're going to get Cooper Johns as a backup half who was let go by Melbourne. So um, not a whole lot's going to change roster-wise, obviously. No. But it'll be interesting to see how this all comes back together after the mess that was the back end of Manly season. And if this is the right job for somebody to take after the way things worked out last time. Um, the whole situation sort of surprised me, if, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it's one of those ones you, you just don't know. But I, for them, I, I guess the, the sooner you can get stability and hopefully have everyone back on side and, and heading in one direction, well, then we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. And your big one, again, is, is Tom Travoy with Chelsea for a year. Oh, that's yeah, um, huge. Need to best by fit. Yeah, all the Simple talk was around the, the Travoyeviches and are they happy and Cherryums and everyone. Everyone's come out afterwards supporting him. Apparently, they liked him and he was there as assistant. Um, so if they buy in, the whole jersey saga gets put behind them. They buy in. Like that's probably the biggest thing that's bothered me from Manly. Even with all this stuff going on, to not even announce the coach yet, to still have LAA talking the media and guys talking. I'm like, you just need to tell everyone to stop talking. They need to stop. And it probably worries me more even for the situation, the coach and your assistants and then a lack of signings and everything going on as well is the World Cup. Because you're going to start your preseason with a lot of guys not there. Like you're really not going to get your brand new head coach and your group together properly until after Christmas. So it's a, it's a hell of a year and a hell of a situation to be taken over. So I think Manly's definitely going to be a must wait, must watch next year yeah. to see how this all pans out. But um, in the end, I, I guess... It's no surprise because when the owner and the head coach don't see eye to eye, you know, people made cases both ways that this was Dez's fault. And then on the flip side of that, you look at it and you go, well, they had this problem last time and you brought him back into the fold. So it's also the Penn the, the pen family fault for bringing him back in. Like At the same time, you're in the top four 12 months ago. So it, in the end, it was clearly personal. Well, yeah. Yeah, without really knowing the ins and outs of it. Mm. It's... Mm. So that's certainly been an interesting. It's quite clear that they wanted him out. Yeah. So they they got him out. Mm. They paid him out. It's been uh, an ongoing. Smoke this fire, and that that was it. It was just. Yeah. The result was a foregone conclusion. It seemed. It's been an ongoing show at Manly that needs to quieten down a bit, but uh, no different. St George and the, the stuff that's been coming out the last week and a bit like. Craig Young's obviously stood down after giving a personal character reference on a letterhead. He stood to stay, uh, stand down for he that. He stood down. He's done. He's off the board. Which people have now brought into question straight away that they were looking at Dean Young, but if he's not there, they probably won't look to bring Dean Young in. The guys that asked for re- releases and Jade Sullivan and Tyrell Sloan have apparently been told, don't worry, he's going to be gone at the end of the year. And you hear stuff like that, you're like, well, why don't you just fire him now? That's horrendous. Shit. Like, everything that's coming out of there, you're just like, Jesus. And then George Burgess comes out after he gets sacked and 
fries him and Gazuski, Jakuchewski says his part after what happened with him mid-year and not playing another game after that after being named in the start of 13. You're just like, well, this is another one where there's just stuff coming out. And I didn't read as much into the, the post-season function. Again, a lot of guys should have been there that were available to go, but there were guys that were at the World Cup, etc. But for the Dragons, same deal. If you already know what you're going to be doing in 12 months' time, rip the Band-Aid off and do it now because you are just wasting another season. Yeah. Whether the results are not going to be good or not, if he's not going to be a coach in 12 months, do it now. And more crazy than me, there was talk around this Flanagan thing, which hasn't been confirmed yet either, but I said it last year. I think your next head coach for me is in your club right now. I wouldn't let him go to Manly. Mm. I'd go to him right now and say, do you want to be a head coach? You're in charge. He's fine. Say the word. Yeah. I wouldn't be letting him go. That's just my opinion. But Yeah. That club again is another one, and probably the bigger one. It's only small fish, and it doesn't mean these guys are going to be first graders. But the amount of players I've heard, in particular, the last month, 16s, 18s, on all levels that are just pouring out of that place, that's not a good thing. Well, it's not. Because no, they're, they're getting pipped before you even get them in the gate. Or they've played one year of representative football for you, and other clubs have got them. Yeah. Canberra just signed four or five. Bulldogs took a couple. Like, there's players going out of their left, right, and centre. Dolphins took two or three for their inaugural squad. Yeah. And when you're already in a situation where you've got your young guys who are, you know, upset, not happy with the situation and trying to get out, and then your next few generations are already signing elsewhere, are looking at what's happening above and going, well, I'm better off elsewhere, that's alarm bells all around. It's not good. So if I'm a Dragons fan at the moment, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit worried. But moving on from then, Dolphins are fishing the competition now. We've ticked over. Seven-team competition. Wayne's had plenty to say, disappointed again uh, after the fact of missing out on another player at Munster and a couple other guys, but since uh, we last spoke, confirmed a few more signings, up to 26 now. Uh, Palacifama Suli, former Rooster, was at the Dragons, goes there, uh, there's a bit of forward depth, and Oliver Gildart, who he obviously had in England, got out of the Tigers, he's now signed for one year at the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. So four more spots to fill for them. Uh, they're obviously... Sounding out everyone left, right, and center, and still looking to fill those gaps. They got four or five guys from Capra's who they're linked with doing a training trial. They've got five development players, but yeah, he's certainly been plenty vocal. Oh, Wayne, I don't think this is quite panned out how he hoped it would. No. So, not happy, but interesting. And probably the last sort of two bits I've got here Tiger's been awfully busy. Um, they've put on hold talks with Hastings, Dewey, Tim Sheens has apparently been. Loving up to Moses over in England. They're trying to bring him back on big money. They already missed out on Munster. They're trying to get a deal, which today there was talk that they're very close to getting John Bateman to come back to the NRL mm. on a three-year deal. They're talking to the, the Newcastle Knights about David Clummer and Tyson Frizzell, trying to get at least one of them. I think the Knights are trying to put that on. We'll swap you for Luke Brooks. They're not blind to that situation just yet. I, yeah, I think that the Tigers are certainly trying to be very, very busy. Um, they've still got the issue with Dane Laurie as well, who wants a, a couple of year extension. They're only willing to offer one, which is basically telling him that, you know, long, we don't think you're long-term then, mm. if they're only going to go one year. So expect some stuff to happen from the Tigers in the next few weeks. That'll be quite interesting, and more particular the Brookside, I think. Because once Newcastle moved on from Jake Clifford, who's now gone to England, I thought then and there with all the negotiating going on, they're clearly trying to get Brooks right now. Yeah. Um, so whether that pans out or not, we'll have to wait and see. But Moses back to the Tigers, good idea, bad idea. 
Well, it's a good idea. To, to pay top dollar. Like, yeah, well, they're going to have to. They're going to have to pay someone. What about Bateman? What do you think about that with the way that ended and where I he's I at? I don't love it at all. I think, yeah, like, he's a, a good player. He's going to, if he goes there and plays his best footy, he's going to help them. Mm. I just don't like how he left. Yeah. Uh, he's another three years on his clock. And going to the Tigers and playing well is going to be a severely more difficult proposition than what it was to go to Canberra and play good footy. Yeah, no, that's the big Particularly one Particularly with the style, the Canberra style certainly suited Bateman. Clemmer or Frizzell, someone you'd be looking at if you're the no, Tigers? No. No. Clemmer on his contract, definitely not. Frizzell, if they're willing to pay part of it, I would. They've got him up there about seven and a grand. Hmm. I don't know if I'd be happy to, you know, have two well, it back. Depends what depends what's your, what's your plan there. Like, is it, are you signing them for experience? Are you signing them because you think they're good players? Are you... Like, I just think Father Time's probably gone past them both a little bit. Yeah, well, they're certainly yeah. trying to freshen things up at Newcastle. Nathan Brown's another one, you know. Like, Yeah, well, that's the other one that's been linked. So they could end up with Brown, Bateman, Clemmer. Yeah. A lot of guys that are probably heading to the... the Dad's army. The 30s or Which sort of thing. Which is cool if that's your plan. Your plan is to get experience and... Well, if you're going to do it for a, young blokes a year or two with your young blokes, yeah. I can understand it. But yeah. as long as you're not taking them on board with the proviso, you're going to be given long-term extensions. Which is yeah. also why I look at someone like Bateman and think, well, I've seen a little bit of him since he's been playing over there and I don't think he's played anywhere near the level he did when he was here. No. Um, and again, is he the sort of person you're bringing in to help develop youth? I think if you're going to get one of, say, a Clemmer or a Frizzell, if you know they're a good character, played at that highest level, one of one of two, not both, I'd probably be happy to take one in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Bateman one, I guess... The other side of it's the fee. They were talking about the fee being almost seven hundred grand. Like Canberra got burnt on that as well. Yeah. They bought him, got a year out of him, had problems twelve months later, and you've also paid a shitload just to get him out of his contract in the first place. So, yeah, um, not sure how that one plays out. And Penrith, very very busy the last few weeks. Tyron Peachy, Charlie Stain swap deal, which is another one I forgot. He's gone to the Tigers. Mm. They got Peachy to ratify his deal, so he's taking a pay cut. Not a bad idea. Get back someone utility yeah. value. Yeah, He's been there before, you know, after a rough trot at a couple of clubs where obviously winning hasn't been high on the priority list. You think he'd be happy and motivated to come back to that environment? You'd think so. Uh, they've also made a couple of good, you know, depth signings. They got Hoskins out of Brisbane, who I thought was actually pretty good in the few games he got, yeah, former nice. Newcastle Knight. So that's a pretty good jag. And uh, Jack Cogger, who was a very good player coming through, to me, just bad clubs, and that's. You know, what gets you flicked early. He went from the Knights to the Dogs when they're at their worst and ended up in England. He, he's still very young. Yeah. Plenty of time. I think he's only 23, 24. Yeah. So to go from having a guy like, I know, Sullivan to bringing him in, I'm still not sure what they're doing with Kurt Falls. There's been nothing there yet or whether they're going to stick with a Jack Cole or someone else they've got pushing through. But, uh, yeah, some good depth on his there. So. Definitely. And probably more good news if you're a Penrith fan. It seems like Liam Martin for now has extended for one more year. So they obviously couldn't agree on a long-term extension, but they're very keen, clearly, to have him there, and he's very keen to be there. So he's done basically what Jeremy and I did and said, look, for now, let's just come up with a decent figure and we'll deal with it again in 12 months', 12 months time. So um, the last sort of thing I wanted to do while we're here is just look at exactly that side of things. As of now, player market has rolled over. There's some big names who are coming off, and Penrith in particular are in that category that we just talked about. So 
if they kick that can 12 months further down the road this year, the bigger names, Brian Totter has already told the club, obviously, he's going to market. Not because he wants to leave, but he obviously wants to test his value. He took unders last time. Stephen Crichton's been talked about at the Bulldogs, the Dolphins, on fullback money. Um, yeah, there's a couple, not many others there, but sort of with what they've done with their setup there, I think someone's going to end up going. I think more than likely in my eyes, if I was going to say one was going to be gone in 12 months' time, I think it'd be Stephen Crichton. Like, you can pay top market money for a winger. That That's fine, but that's, that's not fullback money. There's going to be a club to me that's going to blow it out of the water. So at the end for Stephen Crichton, it's going to come down to winning or not winning. He's already on almost 700000 right now, which to yeah. me for a centre is top market. And again, Manu's on that money. Manu, to me, is a lot better player than Stephen Crichton. I agree with that. So if you want fullback money or that same money again, go. Go somewhere else. you're going to have to go. Yeah. But are you yeah, going to be happy? I think that's what's going to happen. So if you're... Him and the two names that have popped up immediately have been more so Dolphins or Bulldogs, which no surprise when Serraldo went, just like Barrett or whatever, you're going to dip back in the well a few times. Yeah, plus players are going to want to go there as well. Yeah. Do you think that would be a good decision? Like, like the Dolphins signed Hamisa. I don't think that's a long-term sale fullback. No. But I'm assuming, again, if you're more of a Western Sydney boy, you're probably more likely to look at the clubs that are close at home. So the Bulldogs... Certainly being there. If I'm Brian Totter, I wouldn't be going anywhere. But again, I guess it depends on what market they put on him and what market is out there. Yeah. Um, wingers are important, but again, the market has still got a certain point. If he's looking for that top winger market, which is about 600000 and Penrith aren't willing to go to the party, he might also end up somewhere. Potentially, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's two big names if they've pushed the, the Liam Martin one down the road. Uh, we know that the... Rabbitohs were worried having all three of their spine coming off. There was talks the other day that all three done deal. So Latrell Mitchell was going to sign apparently a four-year extension. Wow. I think to 2027, Cook and Cody, two-year extensions till 2025. So for Cook, that's the interesting one because he already has another year to go on top and they've got Mamazoulos there. So that probably puts a position there where again, a bit like they did previously with Josh Cook on the decision with Reynolds and Elias, which they went the opposite way, probably puts him in a position there where, you know, you're going to have to give up somebody at some stage, obviously, if you're going to extend um, on that side of things. But he's a, a big one onto the market. The Roosters, Victor Radley coming onto the market. Jared in his last year. Sam Walker has said all the right things and doesn't want to go anywhere. But again, dollars and cents, they're under cap pressure. Lodgy still hasn't fit under their cap just yet. They're trying to get him for next year after getting Paulo and Crichton and a couple of guys. So... Um, Luke Brooks's last season, as we spoke about, it's it's going to be interesting. Eels already lost a few players. Penasini's going to hit the market this year. There's going to be plenty of clubs, including Rugby Union, who are quite interested, as that's what he's played coming through. Dylan Brown is a huge one, and I guess this was sort of the one like Crichton. I'd say if you're Dylan Brown, stay or go. I'd be staying. Yep. What do you think he's worth? Eight hundred. What if he's already on basically that now, which he's close to? Someone, someone are probably paying paying a million. That was going to be my question yeah, again. I, I think if I'm a club out there, and the, the match for me is the Warriors. I'm not saying that's the right thing for him, but Johnson coming off contract, Harris Tavita left. You've had a few years there where you've lost development. If I'm the Warriors, um, I would have I would have went for Manu last year, but a New Zealand boy, I, I'd be going after Dylan Brown. That would be my priority, Sonny. Yeah. 
So I think Parramatta are going to have some real competition like they already do for Moses because realistically, both those guys are going to walk in and going to need 900 minimum. Mm. And Moses is already on again above that, so he's not taking unders. So Parramatta have got a real challenge on their hands here. Yeah. Because those, both those guys on the market are going to get a million plus offers minimum. Yeah. So agree. whether they can keep both or get them to agree on equal value deals or incentivized deals, I don't know, but that's... They've got a real big hand battle on the hands issue with both their halves coming off contract. Mm. That's not an ideal situation. You really don't want that lining up that way. Um, the Cowboys, again, like we said, they're, they're one of these teams, again, a lot of guys that are sort of on the fringe, but guys are on the up. But that contract for a guy like Nanai has just been kicked 12 months down the road. Uh, I'm sure they're happy to get back to the table, but his value certainly hasn't decreased. He's now, okay. played, he's now gone to a World Cup after having the season he's done. Um, and playing for Queens and if anything at his age smart just to say oh, I'll just do a one year deal first yeah, and see what happens now he's at the peak of the game so similar deal I guess at the end of the day it comes down to dollars and cents like for an 18 year old 19 year old back row I still think you need halves and other guys around you so if I'm the Cowboys I think you know maximum I'm probably getting to about 7 with the team they've got but open market there'll be someone who's willing to pay 8 or more probably for Jeremiah and I yeah which, again, I don't agree with it, but for their situation, what they're doing, uh, yeah, that's a difficult one. Melbourne have got Nelson after the loss of the forwards they've had. It's probably one they can't afford to lose. Absolutely. Um, and Rugby Union was already sniffing around because that's his background. That's that's a big one for them this year that they're going to have to deal with. Um, I already think he's pretty well paid. Like For a guy that only has to play 30 or so minutes a game, the talk is he's on close to $700,000, but international rugby if he ends up French rugby or anything else like that like they, they pay stupid money mm. stupid money so he's one of the bigger names hitting the market Dave for feeder and he's already been linked elsewhere um, apparently they weren't willing to match the money from last time which is no surprise but yeah. they're going to negotiate but open market talk is already that Canberra have a Bit of a double plan come out a few weeks ago, no surprise, uh, to go for his partner, much like Newcastle did with Millie and Adam Elliott. So if Shay Lee ends up at the inaugural Raiders team, the talk is that I'll go after David Feeder as well. Mm. So interesting, but we're, we're similar deal again. Like him now, open market, what do you think David Feeder could get? You think no one's going to go there again at 1.2? Surely, no surely not a million again. No. But similar to a nano, like I think if you go on top of the back row market knowing you need help, surely you can't go much further than seven, eight hundred. Off oh, his form, I don't think you could yeah. even pay him 800. I wouldn't think so. But that one uh, that one would be definitely interesting. And Cronulla, similar deal. Successful year. Lots of guys need to be tied up. Royce Hunt only signed a one-year deal. Straight back to the market. Katoa, William Kennedy, the depth of Lachlan Miller, Jesse Ramian, Talakai, played Origin, wants money. Trindle's off contract. So big year for Cronulla. Probably need to... See some success. You've got the Bulldogs who have 15 off contract again, have turned over 27 of their 30 over the last three years. It's almost a completely new squad. Josh Jackson's just retired. Um, yeah, and I think the other one's Brisbane who are going to have a few there. Flegler's already opened the market and they're talking 700,000 from some teams for him. Herbie Farmworth only signed a one year extension. Dolphins were very, very keen. The Roosters were keen. They've already come out and said again they're interested. So that's just some of the names that are now officially on the open market. Mm. A lot to be played out. There is a fair bit going on in the NRL, but I think uh, 
Yeah, things are going to get crazy when people get home from the World Cup, I think. Big time. We'll see some contracts and some movement early doors. But other than that, some of that news and a couple of things going at the clubs, you got anything going on? Not much. Any news, anything? No, nothing. Not much doing. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps us up there. I think from here on in, we just punch in a couple of short shows like this with any news and World Cup update. Sounds good. And then we'll have a break after. Yep. Shorter break this year, but then we'll come back uh, as we do when the season kicks. So there you go for now. If you're a Manly fan, fingers crossed things quieten down and next year can be a bit more positive. If you're a Dragons fan, I don't know what the bloody hell is going on there, but it seems like for the majority of the last few years all we've talked about is trouble at the Dragons. Um, And if you're a Penrith fan and a Tigers fan or any of these teams that are making moves, fingers crossed uh, you can bring in some better players and improve your situation. But for Penrith, I think you'd be very bloody happy with the news you've heard this week. Yeah. Good depth signings, getting somebody back who you know who's got good value on it and less of money, and then you've apparently got Martin to commit at least now for a year. So a lot of positives going on there. But that wraps us up. Thanks to bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with the True Blue Bookies. Our last charity bet of the year was on New Zealand to win the World Cup. Still not sure how that's quite looking after the pool form, but I guess we're on a couple of weeks' time. We will. See what happens there. Um, but for now, anybody out there, if you've got any questions, got anything else going on, feel free to hit us up on the Twitter or the inbox. Hope everyone is doing well. We'll be back next week. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.